Hello and welcome to the Third Sector Podcast. I'm Rebecca Cooney, Senior Features and Analysis Writer. And I'm Emily Burt, Editor of Third Sector, the UK's leading publication for the voluntary and not-for-profit sector. Each week we sit down for a quick-fire conversation about the interesting or unusual goings-on in the charity world. And this week we're discussing the CAF World Giving Index 2021, the Charities Aid Foundation's list of the most generous countries over the past year. But first, a quick note on another big story from the last week. So on Wednesday last week, the Chartered Institute of Fundraising released the verdict of a report into its former chief executive, Peter Lewis's handling of allegations of sexual misconduct by a member of the CIOF. The report was not published, but the CIOF said Lewis had been cleared of any wrongdoing. Since then, the CIOF was criticised over its confusing communications and its failure to notify witnesses and the complainants of the results of the investigation before they were made public. This story is clearly a very sensitive and difficult subject for those involved, and it is still developing. So anything we say here is likely to be out of date by the time this podcast is released on Friday. Uh, But we will include some resources for those who have been affected by this issue in the show notes. So we're not not talking about it, but effectively it will be out of date. So uh, we want to be the most use we can on that issue. Emily, I've got some questions for you. Okay. In the past month, have you helped a stranger or someone you didn't know who needed help? Ah, now I feel really on the spot about that. Have (laughs) I helped a stranger? I mean, I would generally obviously like to think that I would always help a stranger out, but of course I haven't been going out that much recently. Um, I think I gave someone a quid for the Sainsbury's shopping trolley in in the super i mean does that count it's a little thing but there is also a very particular pain about getting to the supermarket car park and then realizing you've got no shrapnel in your purse absolutely and i kind of think like that that pound it's the object not the value of the object almost it's not that it's worth a pound it's that you've got the round thing to put in there you can shop without knackering your back out now yeah i think that counts i think that counts pretty superficial but that's all i can think of (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Have you donated to charity in the past month? I have. I have donated to two charities in the last month. Yeah. Excellent. And have you volunteered your time to an organisation? No, I haven't. Again, I have uh, been at home. Yes, I've been at home. So no, I haven't. I haven't given my time. I've not given my time to anyone. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. I feel um, really on the spot yeah. about this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip <laughs> the script. It's your, it's your turn to feel okay, uh, like you're being cross-examined. So, so have you, have you helped a stranger in need in the last month? I think I have. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Okay. And what about donating money to a charity and or and or volunteering your time? Uh, so I haven't volunteered my time again. Like you, I've been pretty shut in my house. Um, uh, pretty, although you know that isn't necessarily a barrier to it, but no, I haven't haven't had as much time as I'd have liked to have volunteered for anything like that. Um, but I have donated to um, a couple of charities. Yeah, um, two yeah. out of three ain't bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, so why do you ask? Well, these are the three questions that CAF uses to provide its World Giving Index, which aims to provide an insight into the scope and nature of giving around the world. So the index is a global survey that collects information from 114 countries, representing over 90% of the global adult population. CAF said that since 2009, more than 1.6 million people have been interviewed for the index, with the data being derived from the polling firm Gallup's World Poll, which quizzes people on a range of lifestyle issues, including giving behaviour. Absolutely. So this is a very comprehensive index, and this year's version of the report has thrown up some really interesting results unsurprisingly, ones that are largely down to the lockdowns around the world. 
So the headline surprise is that the UK has dropped out of the 20 most generous countries in the world for the first time ever. In the last report, published in October 2019, the UK came in at seventh place on this index. And so far, the country's highest ever ranking has been fifth place in 2011. The previous low was 11th place in 2017. But this year, the UK has tumbled to 22nd place in the report. And the UK wasn't the only country to slide down the rankings this year. Many of the countries that have been consistently featured in the top 10 in previous reports have fallen way, way down the list, with America, Canada, Ireland and the Netherlands all seeing significant decreases in their index scores. So the world's most generous country this year was Indonesia, which also topped the list in 2018, followed by Kenya and Nigeria. More than 8 in 10 Indonesians donated money this year, and the country's rate of volunteering is more than three times the global average. Wow. Yeah. Um, So the least generous company among the 114 surveyed was Japan, down from 22nd place in 2018, followed by Portugal and Belgium. Interestingly, researchers found out that neither the 10 lowest ranked countries nor the top 10 had anything in common in terms of giving behaviour with the countries they're ranked alongside. In other words, you can't say countries that do X tend to be more generous or the least generous countries are all like this or why. Right. And there were some countries that have been in the top 10 givers for a long time who have retained their places on the index. So both Australia and New Zealand's giving was below their long term average, but they were the only high income countries to remain in this year's top 10. Now, the report says that the resilience of giving in Australia and New Zealand likely represents the timing of the survey in these countries. So the survey was undertaken in the weeks before the peak of the first wave of the pandemic. So depending on where you are around the world, that was going to have a difference. And of course, in Australia, there was also a widespread and generous response to the bushfires in early 2020. So what's happening in the UK then? So in the UK specifically, the number of people who said they had donated money fell from 67% in 2019 to 59% in 2020. Meanwhile, those who said they had helped a stranger dropped from 60% to 43%. I wonder how much of that is down to being shut up at home because, you know, we weren't going out so much around the beginning of the first pandemic. Yeah, you don't interact with strangers so much. You're trying actively to avoid it, in fact. Right. Uh, And the number of people who had volunteered their time fell from 34% in 2019 to 22% in 2020. I mean, that is really interesting because there is a lot of evidence that shows the volunteering in the UK has increased over the past year. You just listened to our last episode. Yeah, exactly. It was 12.3 million people gave their time, something like that, in the last year. So we can only assume that this has happened since that survey was taken at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. So what's caused this drop in giving specifically then? Well, it could be open to any number of factors, obviously. But in the forward to the report, Neil Heslop, who is CAF's chief executive, says that the domestic research in various countries suggests that the willingness to give was not drastically diminished. In fact, it's the opportunities that went missing. So the chance to give had to be sacrificed as countries locked down their people and their economies. Not so much of a surprise there. We all know that the pandemic put a lot of people in economically precarious situations. um, So that absolutely tracks. And Heslop says that while the lockdowns undoubtedly saved lives, they also shut off myriad everyday opportunities to give. You know, gift aid when you are paying for your shopping, pounds in the donation buckets at the end of the supermarket till. Heslop said the sponsored events, the retail income that charities are able to raise, the need to shield vulnerable elderly populations who make up significant numbers of all volunteers added up to this fundraising crisis that we all know um, continues to haunt charities and their beneficiaries around the world. 
Right. And this is the thing we've seen time and time again over the past year. And I think previously as well, to be honest, people like to think they will give without being asked or at least prompted. And the truth is, no, they don't. It just doesn't occur to us to give in anywhere near the same volumes if no one suggests it to us in the first place. Hmm. That is just a truth universally. Well, not universally acknowledged. There's not enough people acknowledging it, I think. I think most people, (laughs) I think that's why, I think that is my theory about why people get so aggrieved by by um, street fundraising and things like that is because they genuinely think they know what they want to give to and they will give and mm. that actually just isn't true um so let's hope that as things start to unlock that fundraising in the uk can start to get back on its feet despite this shake-up in the top 10 more people donated money in 2020 than had done so in the last five years despite or perhaps because of the pandemic and we did see people being really generous in the pandemic we did with exactly. them with their money as well as their time yeah absolutely and 31 percent of people globally said they've donated in the past month while levels of volunteering in 2020 remained relatively unaffected at the global level And in a really nice good news story, more than three billion people helped someone they didn't know in 2020. So globally, more people reported that they had helped a stranger in 2020 than the index has ever recorded before. Helping a stranger is the most commonly performed of giving behaviours across the world. So that three billion people equates to 55% of the world's adult population who were giving their time to help a stranger in 2020, which I think is fantastic. That is fantastic. That's really good news. Should we have some more good news now? Each week we bring you, as ever, our mini coronavirus care package. We're going to have to start thinking of a new name for this at some point as we get out of the pandemic. Yeah, We're going to, yeah. you know, our mini COVID care package. Yeah. We'll have to think about what else we can call it. So we'll be taking uh, suggestions. We'll be taking listener suggestions. If anyone can improve on good news goblins with their tiny optimism <laughs> or whatever it was uh, my fever brain came up with last week, I still... <laughs> I still don't know what was going on there. I, I can apologise. I mean, I, but I personally love If you can come up that. with a better and more snappier name, which almost anybody could, I'm sure, uh, we'll be open to suggestions for what we can rename our little uh, segment of good news. However, it will remain a collection of good news stories that we have spotted in the sector. So first up, Emily, what is the difference, do you think, between working for the Charity Commission and working for the Impossible Mission Force? Is, is that the team that Tom Cruise works for in the Mission Impossible films? It is indeed, yes. You've caught me here because I've actually never seen Mission Impossible, ever. Really? Really, okay. yeah, no, but, okay, so all I know about it is that at some point you get lowered from the ceiling and dangling on a wire, so now I'm just envisioning Tina Stowell dangling from the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a high wire um, with the theme tune playing behind her. I'm not sure what she's being lowered to or indeed away from, but uh, uh, is it that? Is that the answer? That is quite the visual you put there. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yes, uh, Mission Impossible films. Uh, yeah, team of spies, interchangeable team of spies, apart from Tom Cruise, who who go out and, and conduct impossible missions. And there's right. face masks where they can make themselves look completely like another person and they can rip them off and all of that. Um, but actually, the real difference there uh, is the answer I was looking for is that if you work for the commission, you're not allowed to send messages to your colleagues that can self-destruct, oh. which anyone who has seen the Mission Impossible films will know that IMF staff members can and do do that at least once a film. They get sent the mission. The films often start with somebody being sent the mission on a little, you know, it, it starts off with like literal cassette tapes, like videotapes, and then kind of gets more and more kind of, you know, mobile phones and they all 
self-destruct uh, do they the burst after... into flames yeah so they literally they go your mission should you choose to accept it outline the mission and then yeah burst into flames or smoke or kind of explode um, can you imagine if every press release we got from the charity commission burst into flames <laughs> we would be having an absolute nightmare in the office we'd have to have little fire extinguishers by our desk i am resisting making uh, jokes about other press releases i've had in the past week um <laughs> so uh yeah so the practice of using messaging apps such as whatsapp or signal for official government business has been under the microscope since march following a legal challenge supported by an alliance of transparency campaigners and legal groups Groups. So non-profit organisation The Citizens and the campaigning law firm Foxglove have raised concerns that politicians and special advisers could be using such features to avoid accountability. Mm. So our colleague Stephen Delahunty put in a freedom of information request to the commission. He asked if and how many staff members used instant or self-destructing messaging software and what department they worked in. The commission came back and said that its policy was that all commission business must be conducted on commission systems, including mobiles, and the use of non-commission software to conduct commission business would be a breach of its policy regarding communicating corporate information. So this good news story is a bit of a wonky policy one, but it is good news for transparency and accountability because it means there will be a record of messages sent should one be needed. Um, incidentally, one thing that WhatsApp is great for is leaking information to journalists just just popping that out there but yeah this is good news the commission clearly doing a good job there snaps to them what have you got for us oh well i'm back in my little conservation corner once again um so yeah you always you always know that it's going to be a good day in the conservation corner so um this week i would like to congratulate tai pan Nguyen, who is a vietnamese conservationist who has just been awarded the goldman environmental prize now that's known as the environmental equivalent of the nobel peace prize He's been given the gong for his work to save the highly endangered pangolin. Yay! Everyone loves a pangolin. Super cute. Uh, if you don't know pangolins, they are like tiny, scaly anteaters and they have ridiculously long tongues. Yeah, they look like an anteater kind of carved out of a pine cone. Exactly that. They yeah. are adorable and they are also the world's most trafficked mammal, according to the International Union for the Conservation of Nature. So pangolin scales sell for hundreds of dollars per kilo on the black market and their pangolin flesh is also highly valued on the black market. So Nguyen is on a mission to save the species from extinction. So he founded a not-for-profit called Save Vietnam's Wildlife in 2014. And since then, he has saved more than 1,600 pangolins from being trafficked. He also created Vietnam's first anti-poaching unit, which serves the double job of training rangers about conservation. The Goldman Environmental Prize honours grassroots environmental leaders who have made sustained and significant efforts to protect and enhance the natural world. There are six prizes handed out every year, honouring activists from Africa, Asia, Europe, islands and island nations, North America and South and Central America. The award this year described Nguyen's work as filling a crucial space for understanding and protecting this critically endangered animal. He's really optimistic about the future of pangolins as people learn more about their plight. He says he sees a change in young people and they are much more active. We hope that people will learn about the pangolin, how lovely they are, and they are lovely, and the challenges that they face. Uh, and Goyen said on receiving the award, one person or one organisation cannot change everything, cannot save the pangolin. But if everyone takes action together, we can save this species from extinction. So, great news. Snaps for that. Keep on saving the pangolin, please. Absolutely. So, uh, one more quick one for you. News that the American novelist and philanthropist Mackenzie Scott 
has given away $2.7 billion or Oof. £1.9 billion pounds, to 286 organisations. Wow. Yeah, so Scott was formerly married to Amazon founder Jeff Bezos and following the divorce in 2019 has a fortune of $57 billion. <sighs> yeah. No one should have that much money. Can, no. I just, can I just hop in and say that? That's no. obscene. Agreed, agreed. Like, it is too much. And I kind of think it seems like Mackenzie Scott has has a concept of that as well, um, in fairness. So this is the third round of announcements that Scott has made regarding her philanthropy. In 2020, she made two similar surprise announcements and donated about $6 billion to causes, including COVID relief, gender equity, historically black colleges and universities, and other schools. This time, she said she had chosen a number of high-impact organisations in categories and communities that have historically been underfunded and overlooked. The organisations included local arts groups and institutions, including the Motown Museum, and groups working in education. And she's also made some really interesting comments about how putting large donors at the centre of stories on social progress is a distortion of their role, which I think is is absolutely true and fair enough. I will say, in our defence, as the journalist doing the story, leading the we're talking about her right now. Yeah. Yep. It is a phenomenal amount of money. Like it it's is a, a, a mind boggling amount of money. And I think that is worth worth talking about. Uh, she wrote that she and her husband, Dan Jewett, who is a teacher, were attempting to give away a fortune that was enabled by systems in need of change. In this effort, we are governed by the humbling belief that it would be better if disproportionate wealth were not concentrated in a small number of hands and solutions are best designed and implemented by others she said. True. Yeah, <laughs> very true. Absolutely. And, you know, I do think, you know, one thing about talking about this, about, you know, having this conversation about should billionaires be having this much money? Should they start giving it away? Yes, give it away. Um, yeah, I just think that's, that's very sensible. Um, and if there are any billionaires listening, I'm sure our other listeners could come up with some amazing causes to help you emulate Mackenzie Scott and, you know, just relieve you of that burden of your billions. I'm sure there are loads of billionaires who listen to this podcast. I'm sure there are. Definitely. It's high octane stuff. High, very highbrow. Absolutely. We'll be back with another episode soon, although we are taking a brief hiatus next week because Emily is getting married and she will be on honeymoon. Yay. I, yeah, I will be. Yes, I'm, I'm not working next week. I'm, I'm going to get the wedding done finally. <laughs> um, so and Rebecca is also getting a little holiday just to, to to just because she deserves it. But we will be back with another episode in two weeks' time. So make sure you subscribe to this, the Third Sector Podcast, on your favourite podcast app to be the first to know about it. Until then, I'm Emily Burt and I'm Rebecca Cooney, and our producer is Lindsay Riley at Rethink Audio. So we will see you again in the week beginning the twenty eighth of June. <laughs>